Welcome to Ticket Splitters, the Grassroots Midwest podcast. This week, we welcome Patricia Spitzley for a conversation about local government, entrepreneurship, redevelopment and leadership, and a lot more. Patricia Spitzley is Lansing City Councilwoman at large. She also works with communities to redevelop old auto sites across Michigan and America for the Racer Trust. She's also an old friend. Welcome to the show, Patricia. So you've been on Lansing City Council for a few years now. Why did you decide to get into elected public service? Well, this is my first term, first time ever in public service. And so um, I, I've been volunteering. I've been on the Parks Board and I've been on the Airport Board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a firm believer that if you want to change things, you have to be a part of the discussion and solution. And um, an opportunity opened when Vince Delgado decided not to run mm-hmm. and there was an open seat. Mm-hmm. And so I decided then that I was I was going to um, run for city council. Yeah, so that, that's... Uh... That leads to my sort of follow-up. Why city council? I mean, you you had a lot of experience in sort of politics and public policy, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, you mentioned that there was an opportunity there. Um, you know, why Lansing City Council specifically instead of something like state rep or running for mayor? I mean, something like that. You know, I like local government. Yeah. I do. I think um, that local government is a place where you can make decisions and do things that you can have visible, tangible results. Yeah. Um, you know, once you get to state rep and, and some of those others on a state level or a federal level, it becomes more amorphous. But local government, you know, you, you people come up to you in Myers and they tell yeah. you what your issues are and you can call a department head and address that. And, and you know, or, you know, you look at the budget and you know exactly what the budget is for because you live in that community, you see the police, you see the streets. And so, you know, again, trying to get involved and do the best good. Um, city council was where um, I wanted to be. It's part time. I mean, I have a full time job. Right. Um, you know, running for mayor, um, you know, I think I thought about it for like 30 seconds. And <laughs> then I woke up from that nightmare and sweat. And right. so I'm like, you know, that wasn't for me. And, and I've, I, I've never really thought about um, state politics because I've never been um, one party or another. You have to you have to be partisan for that. And for me, you know, I like the fact that I represent everybody. And and so that's why I like at large. And Mm -hmm. so I don't care what politics you are. I work well with both sides. And so I didn't want to pick a side. I work well with, you know, all demographics. And so. You know, once you get on a state level, and, and, and a lot of times even on, on the mayor level, mm-hmm. you, you really have to be partisan, and I, yeah. and I don't want to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you, you raised a really good point, something that we talk about on the podcast a lot in terms of people getting involved at the local level and being able to have an impact. What sort of advice would you have for people, whether they're in Lansing or they're in some other community, um, about you know what they should consider if they're thinking about running for office the first time? I think... You know, what you really need to do, I think, is um, get involved, like, with your local neighborhood groups. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that being on um, the parks board and the airport board, you know, being appointed to those boards on a city level was a great primer for them being in city council. Because it did give me kind of a a step back look into how city government works. And so, you know, if you're running for city government, city council the first time, I think the the best thing you need to do is to, you know, have a message 
um, have a clear message and then just get out and talk to folks. I think, you know, being honest, being straightforward. I'm not a really a fan of like political, you know, gimmicks or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. my, my political slogan is, is positively Lansing, positively Patricia. And I remember when somebody, um, pitched it to me, I fought it. Because yeah. I don't really like slogans. Mm-hmm. But now I use it all the time. When something good happens, I put on my Facebook page that this is positively Lansing. And so yeah. I think you you just have to have a message and you have to have a clear message. And you 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 take that out to the people and you and you're very clear on what you want to do. You're always prepared and you you knock doors. So. Yeah. I mean that's one of the things that uh it, it, it's sort of either a blessing or a curse, depending on your perspective. Um, a lot of people really don't like doing those doors. Um, you know, they envision political campaigns as you know we're going to bu- do a bunch of TV ads right. um, and you know send out a bunch of mail and that's going to be the campaign. Um, and for a lot of people on the other side of that, that's the part that they enjoy, mm-hmm. right? Being able to get out and talk to people and hear about how you can help them in a real sort of tangible way. And local government gives you the opportunity to do that in the way that you know running for the Congress or something like that really doesn't. Oh, absolutely, it, but. You know, you have to get your name out. I mean, no one knew who I was because I wasn't involved in, um, you know, I wasn't a career politician. You know, I I was again, I was on the parks board and the airport board. And, you know, I knew I knew people, but the average citizen didn't know who I was. And so Mm -hmm. you have to then if you're going to do that, then you have to. Um, again, get a message and get your name out. Yeah. And, and and at that time, when I when I first ran for council, you know the the financial health team was out there, and you know we were talking about um, you know the the long term liability and and that impact on the city of Lansing, impossible mm-hmm. taking over, you know, by the state. And so I, I made it a point to to learn all I could. And I, and I remember, you know, calling, um, Mayor Hollister and sitting down with him cause he was, he was co-chair of the financial health team at the time and saying, what, what is this? I'm hearing this, but what is it? Yeah. And so once you get that information, then you're able to decide then, you know, what your focus is or what your platform is. Sure. And I'm sure that, uh, some of the volunteer service you talked about with the parks board and the airport board helps you develop some expertise and some issues before you run for office. Um, you know, you do that sort of volunteer service to help out in the community and address some real specific issues, um, and that gives you a little different perspective on some of the other issues you're going to encounter. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think about the Parks Board, you think that it's kind of a, a non-controversial board, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. People like their green space. Right, they like their parks. <laughs> and so when you're talking about, you know, cutting budgets, the huge thing was, um, the naturalization of the parks. I still don't know what that means. Mm. But, you know, people are very not happy when their parks aren't mowed on a regular basis. And so one of the things that was coming up was to save money was to contract out that that maintenance. And I still believe it wasn't very successful. I believe that to this day. But people get very, very irritated about their parks. And so it turned into, and it still is, Mm -hmm. a a very important and and most times controversial uh, board to be on. Yeah, I think that's something that people uh, lose sight of sometimes when they um, when they see all the sort of shouting heads on TV about our national politics mm-hmm. and even our state politics. 
Um, that sort of thing can happen at the local level too. And a lot of times it's a lot more emotional for everyday people because it's the park that's across the street from them or Indeed. around the corner right. or, you know, it's their local airport, um, or whatever that issue mm-hmm. is. Um, it's, uh, once people become aware of those local issues, it's real easy to get invested in that because it's yours. It's not somebody's in Washington, DC or in a state halfway across the country. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you have these people, you know, the residents who we have parks that are, basically landlocked that are surrounded by homes. And so when we were looking at a review, for example, we were looking at a review to um, figure out, you know, where our, where our focus was or where our priorities were on parks and whether or not we needed to give up some green space. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in Myers and somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I live on XYZ street and you know, that's one of those Mm -hmm. landlocked, almost personal parks and they're giving you the business. Right. (laughs) You better be able to justify or talk about what sure. the process is and why you're doing what you're doing because they're not very happy. Yeah. And, you know, I've always said, even now in city council, that you have to be honest and you have to be straightforward about what your position is um, because, you know, at the end of the day, they may not like what you're saying, but at least they'll respect that you gave them that information and you were, you, and you were very... Um, straightforward with your response. Even if you end up changing your mind, you have to be able to justify and explain why you did that in a way that makes people say, well, I don't like it, but you know, I can't, you know, she was straight with me and I can't fault that. And, and at the end of the day, you know, that that's, that's very important to me. Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And I think that, I think that tracks not just in politics, but in life, right? People don't have to necessarily agree with you doing or thinking, you know, what you do, um, but they'll respect you if you take the time to explain to them, this is my position and this is why. Exactly. Exactly. I tell my sons, I have two sons, and I always tell them that, you know, your integrity is everything yeah. and, and, and your credibility is everything. And once you lose those, it is hard. I mean, it is hard to get those back, yeah. you know, and, and, and you know, in, in politics, you know, once once you're, you know, you're not credible or, or yeah. people think you're, you're giving them some sort of, you know, um, lie or some sort of slick response, you, you can't do business. You can't be effective that way. Yeah. A, uh, an old friend of mine um, in politics uh, always said, you know, everybody gets one. You get yep. to lie to me once, but after that, I don't yep. trust you. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly true. I'm not quite sure if you get one. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, you, you get the one because you did it, but yeah. after that, I don't trust you. They may say, they, they may say you get the one, but right. the next time you come to them, they're looking at your side eye. Yeah, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and they'll listen to you, but there's always that little thing behind them going, yeah, that sounds good, but... He lied to me the last time, so I'm going to look at this two and three times before I move forward. Absolutely. It's a lot easier to um, to lose credibility than it is to go get some more. That's right. Plus, I'm not very smart, and so I can't, <laughs> I can't maintain. I would argue with you about that. I can't maintain a lie. Right. Seriously, because, you know, when you lie, you have to keep layering the lie right. or, or the untruths to, because there's always a different nuance. I'm not that smart, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to be straight. That way I can, I don't have to say, now what did I tell him last week? Or what did I tell her last week? Right. Oh, yeah, that's what I, – I can't there's, – there's just – my brain doesn't work that way. Right, a lot more work than it's worth. Yes, it is, indeed. So, you know, you, you've obviously been on city council now for, for a term. Um, you were on the parks board. You were mm-hmm. on the airport board. What do you think of the most uh, important issues facing the city of Lansing and the capital region in general right now? 
you know, it, it, it you know, it's, it's always roads and sidewalks. That's yeah. that's the bigger, bigger issue. But for me, I always look at, you know, what are the services we're providing, um, you know, our residents. And to do that, we have to have a tax base. Yeah. And to have tax base, we have to um, attract economic development. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we live in a region where East Lansing is a stone throw. You know, you've got Delta Township, Lansing Township. It is It all merges in. Mm-hmm. And so as a region... You know, I think we have to be um, at least going down the same highway as it relates to economic development. Yeah. I know, and you know, we we do compete in a sort of a way, right? Mm-hmm. But we, I think, we all have to have the same thought process of where we want to go as a region for economic development. Um, you know, there's there's no question that. Downtown Lansing, we need more, you know, hotel space and more beds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now that we're out from under the umbrella of that Radisson agreement, you know, I, I, I fear sometimes that we're too late. I mean, we look at Delta Townships, got all those hotels growing over there off 43 and, and 96 and East Lansing's building, you know, bed space. And so we're coming on, we're, we're coming up, got some great projects going on downtown. And, and I'm hoping that that attracts more conventions and more mm-hmm. people down there. And again, you know, economic development, which increases our tax base and then allows us to provide more services, particularly public safety, you know, police, our community policing and our fire to our residents. Yeah. And we've had some successes with that. You pointed out some of the stuff downtown. Um, There's been some really cool stuff going on on the south side lately with some new businesses Mm -hmm. opening up there um, that are helping the tax base and also, you know, providing new services for residents, um, you know, that are closer to Mm -hmm. them. I think you made a really good point about the region sort of rising and falling together. Together. The airport's a great example of that, yes, right? It is. Um, you know, the airport is not just a Lansing asset; it's a regional asset. It's managed regionally, and it's going to rise or fall with the region. That's true. And you know, when I was on the board, one of the things that um, we were trying to figure out is to how to get more traffic to the airport. Right? That's the whole mm-hmm. thing. And you know, we have a number of large corporations in this region and you know with jackson national life and you know blue cross blue shield um auto owners and 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 dart um so why aren't we talking to them about um you know using the airport more you know you know it's 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 easy to you know for some people they'll say it's easy to drive to detroit or drive to grand rapids because the um you know, the schedules aren't predictable sometimes. You know, I, I, I fly a lot. I travel a lot mm-hmm. for my, my, my day job, mm-hmm. although city council is another full-time <laughs> day job. But <laughs> we'll, we'll set that aside. But I and, 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 and invariably, you know, that late flight that I'm coming back on, that 1030 flight is always either delayed or canceled. Right. And, and you know, the, the airport gave some statistics that it's not as often as you, as people think, but when you're actually flying it, mm-hmm. you know, how much is, is, you know, how many times does it take before it's a pain? You know, last night was a perfect example. The, the flight was delayed and Paula Cunningham's on there. You know, you've got Jim Byram on there. You've got people who travel for a living regularly that rely on that late night flight to get you back home so you mm-hmm. can sleep in your bed. And so there's got to be something that we can do to make sure that flight is... um is, is consistent and it's 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 on time mm-hmm. and 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 is providing that service to Lansing residents and I think once you do that and once you know the word gets out and people will fly Lansing more. 
Yeah, I, that's a great point, and um, I'm just going to put a shameless plug in for uh, the airport. You know, I, I've flown out of Lansing a number of times. Um, there aren't a ton of international flights out of Lansing, but international travel out of Lansing uh, is great. <laughs> yeah. um, that airport is magic going through customs compared to Detroit Metro. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably get a dozen horror stories about customs at Detroit Metro, yeah. and I don't have one about yeah. uh, Lansing. Been so through customs in Lansing, and it is. It's great. Well, you know, let's just be, let's, let's just, you know, I had a 5.30 a.m. flight on um, Tuesday, and I woke up at 4.15 freaking out because I was late. Uh-huh. You know, and so I have TSA, you know, mm-hmm. pre-check, and I do trusted traveler as well. But I get to the airport, and I'm through with, like, 20 minutes to spare because, right. you know, it's just me and the, and the guards there at 5.30 in the morning right. <laughs> and right. some of the other folks. But it's 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 very convenient um, to fly out of there. Uh, I fly out of Lansing um, 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've uh, mentioned a couple of times uh, your day job. Um, it's actually a job I think a lot of our listeners would find pretty interesting. Um, you uh, you do re- redevelopment work with uh, Racer Trust. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, I am um, the deputy redevelopment manager and also director of government affairs for the trust. And mm-hmm. we have we were the repository of General Motors property when General Motors went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And they left a significant footprint on the bankruptcy court. And so... Um, the Racer Trust was formed um, to address the legacy environmental challenges of those properties, but also reposition them for redevelopment and job creation. And so I'm on the redevelopment side, and my job is to work with those local communities. And it's 89, roughly 89 locations in 14 states who've been impacted by the closing of GM that helped them determine what their economic development future is and what their vision is, and then to market our properties in accordance with their vision. And so, again, it's that local government contact of cities, township, villages, whatever, parishes that I talk to that, um, you know, really kind of um, made me want to do city council as well. You see the results in local government, and that's what I like, and that's what the best thing I like about working for the trust. Yeah, and that's um, that's very cool. And um, I know I've heard about some success stories um, that you all have had with um, the redevelopment yes. process. And that's um, that's a very cool thing for Lansing or for any other community when you're able to take a site that's got serious environmental yeah. issues yeah. and return that to productive use. Um, you know, you're you're remediating the environmental issues. You're improving the tax base, yes. like you talked about. Yeah. Um, really taking a property from its lowest point and it's, putting it back to some place where it serves the community. That's true, and 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 again, you know, for my job in dealing with local government. I employ the same kind of philosophies that I employ for city council. I'm always honest right. and I'm straightforward. And, you know, many of those communities are were, were waiting for, you know, General Motors type jobs to come back. And, and, and in a lot of instances, they were never coming back. Right. And that's a tough message to tell a community um, that you know, is, is again, reeling from a closure of a facility. And so that's kind of, I always look, liken it to um, the seven stages of death. Right. You know, and, and you have to get to acceptance. But yeah. before that, you got anger, denial, right. bargaining, all of those things. Um, but through those processes, you know, I have to be direct. 
mm-hmm. compassionate, but direct and honest. Yeah. And so when we get to acceptance, then you're like, okay, now what do you want your future to look like? And how can I, as part of the trust with this, with this footprint and, and a lot of times the largest property footprint in that community, mm-hmm. how can we, how can we sell that property or reposition that property so that we can help you achieve your economic development vision and goal? Yeah, that's, um, that's great, and it's important work to do. It also leads to sort of a follow-up question that I had, and this is Lansing-related, but also mm-hmm. um, related to your day job, right? There are a lot of these uh, instances where you have a massive industrial footprint. You're not going to bring back a factory of the same size that's going to provide the same number of jobs. Even if you brought back a factory of the same jo- uh, of the same size, a lot of those jobs probably would be automated. That's true. Um, and so there's got to be a mix there. Of, look, we're very fortunate in Lansing to have some large firms. We've still got GM here. We've mm-hmm. got some large insurance companies like JNL and auto owners that you mentioned. We've got Dart out in Mason in the region. But we've a lot of the economic progress we've made here has also been from entrepreneurship. And small business, exactly. Um, and that's, um, can you talk a little bit about the role that that plays in the work that Racer Trust is doing to try and bring some of these properties back? Well, you know, First of all, I think, you know, when we're looking at diversifying our economy um, and I look at Lansing, you you have to um, support small business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in Lansing, you know, we're we're now going through the medical marijuana and the mm-hmm. recreational marijuana. And this is kind of a sidebar and I'll get back to race or trust in a minute. But but it's important. And, you know, there are people who very feel very strongly on both sides. Right. But. You know, it is it is a um, business opportunity and it is a small business opportunity and it's an economic development opportunity. And so, you know, what I feel my role then on city council is, is to put together the best um, regulations possible that are fair, predictable and protective. Mm-hmm. And so you put that in and, and it's the same way with any small business or any business. Um, and so you, you, you make sure the regulations are fair um predictable so that small business can thrive and know what's expected of them. But you also make sure they're protective of the residents. You know, you put setbacks from parks, you put setbacks from churches, mm-hmm. you, you try to get out of the neighborhoods, all those things that our, that our city of Lansing residents care about. Um, and, and you just, you do the best you can. You, you know, neither side's happy right now. So I think we're probably where we need to <laughs> be. You know how that is. We need, yeah. <laughs> so for, so for the racer trust, we do the same thing. You know, again, we look at and talk to the, the city and figure out what your economic development vision is. And it runs the gamut. Sure. You know, when we first started, there are communities that, that we came in and we met with and they're just like, hey, we know what we want. We want X, Y, and Z. That's how you market the property. Get out of here. You know, we, okay. and, and I'm <laughs> like, you. That, that's good. Write that down and you, you market it. Then we, you have those communities that are just like, well, we, you know, we're still hoping GM comes back. And you know, those are communities you're going to have to pay a little bit more attention to. Sure. Or, and, and so, you know, we, we look at all, but we have strict criteria in the trust to make sure that whatever business comes in there is a business that has the highest, um, the highest, um, instance of success. Our trustee says we only get it right. And so we look, we do extensive background checks. We, we have them open up their books. Um, they have that, you know, you know, commit to jobs and commit to mm-hmm. additional economic development, like blight, um, mm-hmm. reduction and, and increased tax base. And so, 
it, that can be a small business as well. We welcome mm-hmm. that. If the community is really, you know, bullish on, on um, and depending on where the piece of property is, because we've got some that are smack dab in the middle of an urban area, mm-hmm. and that may make sense to encourage small business where that site is, or we have larger footprints outside, and then you might want to look at larger manufacturing. But sure. you have to be flexible in that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so, you know, you've talked a lot about sort of, you know, the the local focus of your own public service. What are some of the uh, the things that you've been proudest of that you've been able to accomplish in public service since you started doing that? Not just elected, but some of the boards you've served on, that sort of thing. You know, I am... Um... I'm really proud of a couple of things and, and they are, and of course they're controversial because they always are, but I'm really proud of the Lansing board and water and light substation. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, when you, when, when they first came to us and talked about a substation downtown, I thought I was going to fall out of my chair mm-hmm. because you, I, I, you know, I, I was in Cleveland. It was funny cause I was in Cleveland the week before and I was walking downtown and they have the ugliest electric substation yes they do in the and they and they they don't do anything to cover them or do whatever so when dick peffley came i was just and i looked at him and i said dick uh we need to talk and so (laughs) then you know he brings in the conceptual drawings and he talks about what he wants to do and you know i was still a little hesitant but you know, I trusted Dick. He's a good guy. Um, he's done really well at the board, and we have a very nice facility, I believe. Um, the park is 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 beautiful. The sunken gardens is amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very proud of that. I, I'm proud of the the um, medical marijuana ordinance. And when I ran um, first, we had eighty five plus maybe mm-hmm. um, dispensaries in the city of Lansing. Yeah. And um, I heard loud and clear from the, from the citizens when I talked to on doors that they didn't want all those. You mm-hmm. know, we weren't um, enforcing the ordinance that we had on the books, even though I felt that we could. I felt it was enforceable, but, you know, we weren't enforcing that. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I committed to was reducing the number sure. of dispensaries and also putting together, again, you know, an ordinance that's fair and predictable um, and protective. And so... You know, it was controversial um, in the last, you know, um, but it, it, but it, before I got there, it had been worked on. And so when I got to council, it was going on two plus years yeah. of doing that. And so, you know, we needed, we needed to have an ordinance. We, we, people were saying that they were going to put forth a ballot initiative and then you kind of lose, you lose control. I mean, look what happened on the state level. Mm-hmm. You lose control of trying to, you know, craft, um, you know, a document that you think, you know, represents, you know, everything or try to represent, you know, both the, the business owners and the community. And so it was important to me to get something through. And yeah. we did. And it, it was it initially started with 20. Um, and then it's additional five. That's 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 a lot lower than the 80 plus that we had. Mm-hmm. It also allowed for growers and processors and labs, which, you know, are great again economic development opportunity. Yep. You know, if you've ever been in a grow facility or a process facility, they're high, they're very high tech, mm-hmm. and you're you're they're the high paying jobs. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of research going on, and people don't know that that you have a mm-hmm. lot of research. So you have scientists mm-hmm. here 
talking about this stuff and, and looking at it and finding ways to make it safer. And, and so that's an opportunity to, to, to increase our tax base, bring in, you know, you want to bring in new people into the community who want to buy houses and, and, and make a life here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, those type of jobs do that. They, they are head of household jobs. And we have a lot of local people who have invested a lot of money. You know, I look at Mike Doherty over there with, with Rebel off of um, Cedar Street and over here in Kalamazoo. You know, he's, he's homegrown. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he's decided to invest here in the city of Lansing. Yeah. And that's great for us. So I, I, I'm proud of those. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you raised two really good issues, the, um, you know, particularly around the cannabis industry. Um, you know, if you look around the rest of the country, you brought up the sort of regulatory surety um, that's so important and having having ordinances in place that work for the community, that work for business. Um, I think people sometimes lose sight of, regardless of what side of that issue they're on, especially now that this is a legal product, there are going to be cannabis businesses in Michigan. Are they going to be owned by people in our communities? Are they going to be owned by corporate cannabis um, from the other side of the country? And, um, you know, if we're careful about this, whether you supported marijuana legalization or not, um, the state and our communities can prosper because of this, um, because that money is being earned by people in our communities. Now that it's legal, someone's going to earn that money. It might as well be people in our communities. Well, and, and, you know, some of the folks who are, are against it, talk about that, you know, the taxes and the monies that are supposed to come to the local government is very low. It's not a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. But think about, you know, the the people who are working at those facilities, who live in Lansing, who are are purchasing stuff in Lansing, who are buying homes in Lansing, you know, Mm -hmm. so you have to look at it, you know, in total that way. And and again, you know, now that, you know, the recreational merit, uh, marijuana is upon us and, and the city council right now is um, you know crafting an ordinance that will address that one of the things we've put in there that I'm really kind of excited about is the micro businesses yes um, there are four um, opportunities for micro businesses in the city of Lansing and so those are also opportunities for small business local business person to get into the cannabis industry if that's what you want and mm-hmm. so um, one of the things I would like to see, and I've talked to the mayor and I've talked to our city clerk, is that if we can give some consideration in the scoring for, you know, local, someone who's local, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if, you know, someone who maybe um, uh, can't um, for, for, for monetary reasons or just don't know where to start, can we provide them with some technical assistance to help them with a business plan, to help them with site plans? It's right. easy to say we're just going to, you know, give you a break on the application fee. Well, that's easy. Right. But, you know, when you have to do site plans and business plans and all this other stuff, that's where the ching starts. And then you have to have that, that, that capital. And then you have to go on the state level. And so, you know, the micro businesses, if you want, someone to succeed, I think you have to do a little bit more than just half the application fee. You have to provide them with some technical assistance and some support. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets to, it gets back, gets back to the entrepreneurship thing that we were talking about before. Um, entrepreneurship's hard. Uh, speaking from experience, yes. um, our business just turned six years old this year and um, it's hard. It involves a lot of sacrifice and the more regulated the industry that you're trying to start a business in, the more technical challenges that you've got to overcome. And um, I think that that's um, 
you know, outside the cannabis industry, even, you know, entrepreneurship has been a key part of, you know, the comeback that we've experienced in Michigan, in the greater Lansing region. And we really need to be better as a state, as a local government, um, about helping put tools in the hands of people who've got the ambition, they've got the drive and the want to, but they don't necessarily know how to cross all of those hurdles. That's exactly true. And, and, you know, the thing is that those, those tools are available, mm-hmm. but people don't know that. That's right. And so my responsibility, the city's responsibility, is to kind of coordinate all those together maybe into mm-hmm. a almost a one-stop shopping where you can show someone where all of these um, um, assistant tools are. I don't know necessarily know if the city of Lansing has to create those, but through our financial empowerment um, center we have in Lansing, we have a lot of contacts with people who provide that technical assistance who right. will help you with your business plans. And so we need to do that. We also need to, again, fair, predictable, yep. you know, reasonable, you know, regulations and, and, and through zoning and through all these other things so that Again, we're protective of our, our neighborhoods and our residents, mm-hmm. but you know, a small business can come to Lansing and can know exactly what's expected of them, mm-hmm. you know, for them to get whatever permits or zoning that they need. And, and, you know, on the local level, we have to do that. We have to be able to, um, attract economic development, small business. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can do that is to make sure that our regs are, are fair and predictable, yeah. um, and reasonable. Absolutely. Um, so one of our favorite things uh, to talk about on Ticket Splitters, we like to wrap up every show this way, is talk about war stories from politics to campaign trail, public service. And you've worn a lot of hats in and around politics, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an advocate with the Racer Trust on city council, you know, serving as a volunteer on boards and commissions. Um, you any fun or interesting tales to share with our listeners? PG-13, yeah. of course. Of, of course. You know, as an African-American female... An African American in general. I'll, I'll share one story. You know, I travel a lot. Yeah. And 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 it's always funny. You know, um, in 2019, of being the only one in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's you, you Still look around. A lot. Well, it just happened last just last <laughs> night. You know, so when you look around, and you're like, I can't believe I'm the only one in the room. Yeah. And so that's kind of amazing to me that that those type of things still happen. Um, going back to like partisan or nonpartisan, you know, I used to lobby and now I work for Racer and, and, um, and I'm, you know, I'm on city council at large. Um, I, I consider myself kind of a chameleon. Yeah. And so people always want to put you in these boxes. Oh, she, you know, she's a Republican. I know she's a Republican because of X, Y, and Z. And then the Republicans are looking at me like, no, she's not. She's a, she's, she's a liberal Democrat, you know? Right. And, and, and so I don't mind that. I, you know, I've, I've never joined one party or the other. Um, I've, I've always, um, felt and I've always been able to work with both sides and all sides. And so for me, that helps me, you know, because people are like, okay, well, you know, as long as she's honest, she's okay, you know, and, um, so I don't, you know, I'm a homebody. I don't have any political stories. <laughs> you know, after council, I go to bed. When I travel, people are like, oh, I don't see you out unless I'm at city council stuff. That's because I'm at home in my fuzzy slippers. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a pretty ordinary type of person. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 I am passionate about the city of Lansing, sometimes too passionate. And I'll, um, you know, and, um, I've made plenty of mistakes. Um, you know, you're, you're not supposed to always talk about your, um, 
your regrets, but I think the one regret I had was when I was president of city council. Um, it was late. I, you know, I, all this stuff, you know, it's, it was it, it was like a perfect storm. And there was a young lady who, uh, she was nine, she wanted to speak. And I said she couldn't speak. I remember that. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Seriously. Um, and I went home and, um, I, you know, I... Social media is an amazing thing. I've yeah. never <laughs> experienced so much hate from yeah. people who didn't know me. Now, I knew I had messed up. I did. I, you know, and, but, you know, y- y- stuff comes out of your mouth and it, it's done then. You can't take it back in. I knew, and so I, I wrote, I wrote the woman, um, the, the daughter. I apologize. I wrote her a, a letter. I offered to meet with her. Um, and I wrote, you know, I, I wrote an apology, a general mm-hmm. apology. And, and I think that that's all you can do is to admit you're wrong. Um, you know, following your sword or whatever you want to call it. But I was wrong. I was a jerk that night. I would have mm-hmm. said something else, but we're on podcast. So I can't, <laughs> I can't cuss, but, um, I was a jerk that night and I know I was. Right. Um, and I can, you know, you can say, oh, I, I was having back spasms, which I was and I was doing whatever and I was in pain. But the bottom line was I was a jerk. And, you know, in this time of political divisiveness, for me to be a part of that or, you know, I'm, um, you know, um, not allowing somebody to exercise their right to speak was, was, was shameful. And, and so that's my war story. And I, and, and I think about it now and I've got a, I've got a little butterfly in my stomach thinking about it right now. Well, I mean, I, that, that wasn't, um, you know, I, I, you, you pointed out it probably wasn't great, but the, um, the flip side of that is, you know, you, you owned up to your mistake um, and, and realized that it was one. And I think that that's, um, for a lot of people, that's pretty refreshing in politics. You don't hear people that are in elected office very often. You know what? I took an L on that one. Yep. That, that was my bad. Yeah. I, uh, and I apologize. That, that wasn't anybody else's fault. I did that, and I'm sorry. You don't hear a lot of that very much these days. And social media, to your point, makes it a lot worse. Oh, it does. Um, it does. We don't, it's, it's even harder now than it has been in really ever to make a mistake, realize you made a mistake, fess up to it, and be able to move on. Yeah. The, the pylon probably started before you even got home from I council. I wasn't that even night. home from council. Right. And, but I responded to each Twitter, each tweet, each Facebook post. I did. Now, yeah. you know, and being an OPR person, yeah. you know, more politicians need to do that. When you're trying to niff-naw and you're trying to qualify what you say or I didn't mean that or I was taken out of context. The, the American people, yeah. they do not like that. But they, they, they like someone who will apologize, say they screwed up, and move on. And, I, and right. I'm going to tell you, and this is my only partisan discussion right now, the last presidential race would have been a lot different if, if that had happened. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, immediately came out and said, right. okay, yep, I was wrong. Yep. I'm sorry. You know, let's move on. But when you yeah. qualify and qualify and qualify and qualify... People start, right. they don't trust you anymore. Because right. if you'll lie about this little bitty thing, yeah. you're going to lie about a whole bunch of things. And so I, again, if I make a mistake and I make lots of mistakes, you know, I, I, I try to own up on them. I'm a woman of faith and I, you know, I can't, I, I can't 
um, try to justify something when I'm when I'm wrong. Yeah, you know, we we all make mistakes. And uh, to your last point, uh, I always uh, I always use the line right. There's uh, there's only ever been one perfect person, and we killed that guy. Yep, yep. Because <laughs> so, he was perfect, <laughs> right? You exactly. Know? <laughs> so um, you know, best to just mess up when you make a mistake Absolutely. and move on. Absolutely. And uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I want to thank you so much for coming on Ticket Splitters. Thank you for inviting me. This was very nice. Thank you. City Councilwoman from Lansing, Patricia Spitzley. Catch us next time.